my name is Michael, and I'm the youth pastor here at Eastside City Church. Uh, I specify that I am the youth pastor because uh, a leader, one of my youth leaders, came up to me not too long ago, and they said, Michael, Michael, you, you always introduce yourself as one of the pastors at Eastside City Church. And they're like, are you ashamed of us? And I was, I was like, no, no. Wait, am I? No, I don't think. No, I just, I just, just I'm not really thinking about it. I think you're ashamed of us, Michael. I think you're embarrassed to say you're the youth pastor. I'm like, no, no, I'm not ashamed. I just, I just, you know, I feel back in the corner. I just, uh. so I'm the youth pastor here at Eastside City Church. I'm proud of it. Uh, we have some incredible students. We have some incredible youth leaders. Uh, and we, we continue to have fun on Friday nights. But we, we continue to just lift the name of Jesus even higher. And it's a great time. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm excited to be able to share with you today. I want to start by sharing an experience. I, I, I saw a commercial not too, not too long ago. saw a commercial. And normally I just kind of glaze over commercials uh, uh, but this one caught my eye because it, it was a treatment for cancer. And I have people in my life that cancer has infected in a big way and impacted their life. And so I naturally was sort of like, oh, like a commercial to, to treat cancer. Okay, like I'm really interested if there's a medication out there that can treat cancer. And so uh, the commercial opens up and it's got the, the name of the cancer medication. And then it has a, a person in the hospital obviously dealing with some health issues, cancer, we are to suspect. And then, uh, and then in the next, they, they're given the medication. Then in the next frames, we see them driving along in their convertible with their spouse along a curvy highway with a smile on their face on their way to the lake house to, to hang out with their grandchildren. And then, and then they're running in a field and splashing in the water and, and they're around a dinner table enjoying a meal. And I was like, man, that sounds great. Maybe I should take some medication. And, and just as I was like, this, this seems like what we've been waiting for. This seems like a great thing. Uh, you, you know how it goes, right? The, the audio of the commercial speeds up all of a sudden, and, and it's almost incoherent. And then all the print that was there before that was nice, happy, bold print is now really, really small. And at the bottom of the commercial, blending in to whatever other colors they have in the background, and I, and I could barely make it out, just, just one sentence. But I, but I saw it, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. Again, you, you probably know just about what it would say, and, because that's, that just kind of seems part and parcel for life sometimes. That, that fine print, what I read right there, that, that just seems to be what happens so many times when, when I go through life and, and I thought that things were going to, to turn out a certain way and I, I was looking at, oh yes, of course, this is the way life is going to turn out and, and this is when I'm going to get married and this is when I'm going to have kids and this is the type of amazing job I'm going to have and all those things. And then you get hit with the fine print. You should not expect these results. Oh, of course. And, and doesn't, it, doesn't it feel like that sometimes in life? Aren't you there and, and you, you, so you sometimes can be let down by things that happen? It's one thing if it's a product you bought. 
and you were hopeful that it was going to help you lose 100 pounds or 50 pounds or change your habits or this book was going to revolutionize, revolutionize your life, but, but that let you down. But it's another thing if it's a relationship, isn't it? It's another thing when it's your own expectations and you feel like you, you didn't make the cut. It's another thing when you get that diagnosis. Man, it's expectations. It's a whole other thing when it's a close family member and you're let down. Or how about God? You feel let down by God. Oh my God, God won't let me down. God never lets us down. Yeah, I know. My, I know. My mind is saying God won't let me down. But somebody tell my emotions that. Somebody tell my feelings that when, it, when I'm going through something in a situation and I'm like, I know I'm not always going to make sense of things. And I know, God, your ways are not my ways. And I can definitely sense that right now because this is not my way. I feel like I'm the only one here today who might be experiencing that. No. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not the only one who has situations where you, you just wonder, God, what, what are you up to here? What's, what's going to take place? And as I was going through and preparing this message and I was thinking, God, where do you want to go? What was led on my heart is that there are some of us here today where we are walking in our life and we feel like we are living in that fine print moment. You should not expect these results. And everything you are experiencing in your life, you're just thinking, why does everybody else get that dream picture? Everybody else gets that life that I thought I was going to have and it's not happening. And it even happens in the Christian world. Why did they get that miracle? Why did they get that blessing? Why do they seem to understand every scripture verse? And they, they seem like their prayer life is vibrant. And I tried praying for two minutes last week and it was pathetic. You should not expect these results. And you start to maybe live your life that way. We are starting this new series called The Greatest Gift. And I think so often it, it's easy to say, well, we know that, that Jesus is the greatest gift. But how does that play out in our life? What does that look like day to day? Especially when there's, there's unmet expectations. And I want to take us over to a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews is kind of an interesting letter because we don't know who wrote it. Hey, imagine there's a famous book today and we're just like, we don't even know who wrote it. We, we know, we have suggestions. Theologians spend a lot of time debating who wrote it, but we don't know. And, and so we, we have this book and we know the audience fairly well, especially as you read through the letter, you, you kind of begin to pick up certain sound bites. Okay, this must have been what they were going through. And we know that the Hebrew audience, they would have been going through some pretty hard times because they just recently became Christians in a world that didn't even know what Christianity was. And so they're going to their, their kids' soccer games and they're going to work and all of a sudden they're showing up and they're like, yeah, I'm following this Jesus person. They're just like, what? That's weird. Not, not that you would have that experience where you work or where you go today. So the, the writer of Hebrews gives us some stuff, and we're going to read quite, quite a bit here today. We're going to read all of chapter 3, so you'll be able to get some of your Bible reading in today. Make sure to mark it down on your version Bible app if you need to. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. 
He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that, that would, they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. A little bit more. Chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. Now I want to skip down to verse 11 of chapter 4 because he continues to talk about the Sabbath and, and go from there. And he concludes at verse 4, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that none of you will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything that is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Whew. Bible reading complete today. Check. Let me pray before we go any further. Father God, I pray they've had their coffee today so that they are going to be awake and ready to receive your word. God, I pray that you would help me as I deliver your word and as you've been putting these things on my heart and my mind, God, would you help me to communicate it clearly. Father God, I thank you for this. And I, I just pray that as you want to speak to us through this passage, would our hearts be ready to receive in your name. Amen. Have you ever, have you ever messed up a great opportunity? A great opportunity. In high school, in math class, I had a great opportunity. We had desks 
And we were sat, the desks were two at a two together at a time in rows. And so you would always have a partner. And a lot of people, they would go and, like, they'd get their friend. I didn't have any friends. Uh, so I, I just left it open. I'm choking. I left room for the Holy Spirit. No, I, the, there was a cute girl one time. A cute girl came and she sat. Now, this was before I met my beautiful wife. Uh, and so God does amazing things. But in this moment, in this moment, in high school, really cute girl came and sat next to me. And I was thinking to myself, like, I have to make a good impression. I have, to, I have to say something. I have to be witty. And do I say something smart? Like, do I comment on, like, oh, I really love this math class, and I hope we just get right into formulas and equations. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, I was just like, I got to say something witty. Do I play it off like math class? Nobody likes math, but no, no, can't do that. I'm like, oh, I got to make some sort of like joke. Got to go in there. I'm like, what would Albert Einstein say? Got to do some sort of like e equals you and me squared thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying everything I can. I'm like, I, I got nothing. I'm like, hey, just open your mouth and just, just say whatever comes to you. And, I, and just in that moment, I'm like, oh, I'm going to open up. I turn to her and, and, I, and she beats me to it. She beats me to it. And she turns over and she's like, hey, hey. <laughs> I was at math class. Hey, math class. She's like, hey, I think your shirt's backwards. It, not only was it backwards, it was inside out. You can't recover from that, folks. You can't. You're done. You're done. I'm like, what do I, like, do you, do you leave in that moment? Like a walk of shame? And then everybody notices. Do you just sit there? And ponder life in that moment. Like what high school should I go to next? <laughs> Blowing big moments. Just, just. Okay, here, here's another one. I've always thought to myself, it, Tim, Tim Horton's Rope the Rims comes along or the Mon McDonald's Monopoly comes around. I'm always thinking to myself, I'm going to be the person who wins that grand prize. I'm going to be the person who wins that car and is like celebrating, yes, I got the car, I got the dream vacation, I got the $50,000 Visa gift card, this is awesome. And then what do they do? They cut, you go up there to claim your prize and like, we just have a still, skill testing question for you to answer. No, you got to be, you got to be kidding me. I sat next to a cute girl in high school, I don't remember any math class, like please, this, this is not going to be good for me. And they're like, oh no, it's okay, six times 12 minus 4 divided by 3, the square root of your mother's birthday. And just, here's the car. Just, just take it. And, and I would forever be that person who won it but then failed and blew it at the skill testing question. I don't know if you, you ever have those moments. Uh, I've thought about it. And I, and I think about Moses in this story. Hebrews, is he's talking a lot about Moses and well, what's interesting about Moses is he, he messed up. He blew a great opportunity. There he was in Pharaoh's palace. He had things figured out. He was treated like royalty. He's going through getting himself a great education. And you got to know there's a lot of things you can mess up. There's a lot of stupid things you can do. But if you are like the prince of Egypt, if you're getting treated like royalty, like don't mess that up. He messes it up. And he runs away from Egypt. And then he becomes a shepherd. And I'm just thinking there's got to be a lot of moments where he's out watching his sheep. And he's just looking out there to where Egypt is thinking to himself like, man, I messed up. 
I blew it. And he's got to go tell that story to the other shepherds who were around. Hey, Moses. Hey, Moses, how you doing today, Moses? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, how are you doing? Moses, it's a great day today. Isn't it, Moses, a great day today? Hey, Moses, were you, you always want to be a shepherd, Moses? Uh, no, I didn't really always. It wasn't really in my five-year, 10-year, 40-year plan. No, not really. Yeah, I me mean, neither, Moses. I never want to be a shepherd. No, I told my mom and dad I'm not going to be a shepherd. I'll do a shepherd for a little bit, but then I want to be a llama farmer. That's where it's at. I want to be a llama farmer. That's where I'm going to go. A llama farmer. Okay, yeah. What, what are you doing before this, Moses? Well, how'd you get into the shepherding here? Well, I was, I was just over in Egypt. I was, I was doing, you know, I was, I was in the palace. You in the palace? That's a good gig I hear. They pay those people good, good retirement. You got a good thing going on there? No, I, I was, I had servants. I was, I was doing all that thing. And then, oh, you walked away from it, Moses. Yeah, that high life, it's not for everybody. High rollers, that's not for everybody. No, you need a more sedentary life. You need to become a llama farmer too, Moses. Hey, Moses, do you see that burning bush over there? It's been burning for a week. It's still not burning down. You got to go check that out. You bring your sheep over there. Don't let your sheep go too close, Moses. They're going to burn the sheep. It's a burning bush over there. I don't know what it would have been like, but I'm just thinking there had to have been some moments of regret for Moses. There had to have been some moments. But we love that because of Moses. We love that he messed up and God redeemed that. And the people in the Old Testament and the people that Hebrews is written to, they love Moses. And they love Moses because even though he messed up, God still did something incredible. And he's the hero of faith. Because God went and spoke to him at that burning bush and would continue to do so on a regular basis. And they love Moses because he brought them out of slavery. He brought them into a new place of rest. And so all of a sudden, they're in captivity. And he, Moses goes in there and talks to Pharaoh. And boom, the next thing you, you read, they're walking out of there. And he's parting the, the waters and the seas. And he's hitting rocks and waters coming out of there. He's making it rain food. I mean, people are loving Moses. Moses is judging situations. I mean, he's making a list. He's checking it twice, finding out who's naughty or nice. I mean, people love him. Moses is our guy. He's our hero. <laughs> and the Hebrew writer, all of a sudden, he, he says something here because he starts talking about Moses, and he, he's making all these references, and people would have been like, yeah, yeah, Moses, we love Moses. Yeah, yeah, you tell us more about Moses. And, he, and then he says this in, in chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house is greater honor than the house itself. And people kind of would have been like, uh, whoa, wait a moment, wait a moment. You're saying that, that all of a sudden Moses doesn't even compare to Jesus? You're saying that doesn't even stack up? And Hebrew writers like, yeah. Now, I, I know that you probably came in today, and this probably wasn't your struggle. You probably didn't come in today, and you were thinking, yeah, Michael, I, I just do my devotions this week, and I was really struggling with whether I should elevate Moses greater than Jesus, or is Jesus greater than Moses? I mean, that was, I'm glad you're clarifying that today for us, because now I can have some peace about that. I know that's probably not your struggle, but it was for them. Because for them, Moses brought them a new place of rest, brought them out of slavery. And then he brought them a new way of life. When I consider the Ten Commandments, I kind of view them 
as like old school. Like they're there, but they're kind of retro. Now there was a time when the Ten Commandments were brand new. Like it was hot off the press. And even up until that moment, even as the Hebrew writer hundreds of years later is writing to his audience, people still have it fresher in the mind. That's their go-to. That is the thing. Hey, Ten Commandments, that was Moses. Moses is our God. We love Moses. Yeah, they, they love that. So Moses brought them out of slavery and gave them a new way of living. I would love. Wait, what you're saying, you're saying Jesus is better than all that? Yeah. Because Jesus came and he brought a new way of living. And he brought rest for our soul and freedom from our slavery. And we were held down in bondage and he gave us a new strength. And that's why we have passages where Jesus says, Come, un come unto me all you who are weary and I will give you rest. That's why he says, I haven't come for the healthy but the sick. That's why he, unroll, he unravels the scroll and says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he continues to, to declare this prophecy. Why? To set the captives free. You get where people, people are all of a sudden like, whoa, that's, that's, that was Moses' thing. What, what are you talking about? No, I'm coming to do something new. I'm coming to do something complete because what Moses brought was this imperishable. But what I'm bringing is going to be imperishable. And what Jesus wants to do is begin to give you a new rest and a new peace and a new life. And he wants to give you a new way of living. You, you look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and you will see Jesus quoting Moses and then doing his own version. He's stepping it up a little bit. You go through, you can see this. He'll say, you, you've heard it's been said, thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not have any other gods. Do not commit adultery. And people have been like, that was Moses. That was our man Moses. We love Moses. And he's like, yeah, yeah. But I tell you, don't, don't even look at a woman lustfully. No, if you even have anger in your heart, that, that's not going to fly. And all of a sudden, people are offended at that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We just had Ten Commandments, man. That's not fair. You're changing the game on us. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't live out the new life, the new way of living, if you don't step in to the new rest and the new peace. And that's what God is. And that's what God did. He brings Jesus as the greatest gift. And he goes and says, hey, I'm giving you a new peace. And I'm giving you a new life. And I'm coming to, to bring you a rebirth. In Hebrews 4.2, it says, For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. It was no value to them. Because they did not share the Help me preach today because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. The, the writer of Hebrews is going and saying that, that there was this time where everybody saw the miracles of Moses. And that still didn't win them over. Because they didn't have faith to believe it. And Jesus is coming with a whole new way of life. 
But if you don't have faith to believe it, it will be of no value to you. Let me paraphrase this. They didn't trust God because their hearts were hardened. Bitter by offense, weighed down by unmet expectations. They were disappointed by the divine. They had spent so much time examining the hypotheticals of God instead of recognizing the reality of the power of God in front of them. They had those, those moments in their life where they saw the fine print. You should not expect these results. And they just assumed that applied to everything. The Hebrew writer says, no, let us, let us therefore make every effort, in verse 11, to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Disobedience? But they, they would have been held to the highest standard. Those Ten Commandments, they would have been following that to the strictest sense of the law. They, they were doing all that. I mean, it's not like they were occasionally, oh, man, I had a bad week. I accidentally killed two people. I mean, it was just, I just I was having a, no, like they were following all the Ten Commandments. But he says here, they perished because of their disobedience. And God, God wasn't faulting them because they messed up on the Ten Commandments, but because they trusted themselves more than God. The rest requires faith. The disobedience, the sin that we're talking about here isn't, isn't an affair or drunkenness. It's the subtle sin of trusting yourself more than your Savior. Well, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I can do this. When the going gets tough, the tough keep on going. I can do this. I can, I can make my Christianity work. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to make this work. I'm going I'm to be the perfect Christian. I'm going to be the perfect parent. And, and I'm going to make sure I don't sin. And I'm going to make sure that I walk in freedom. And I'm going to make sure that I pray enough and I read my Bible enough. And I'm going to force this thing. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to work out my salvation. Jesus, they're saying, no, like you, 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 you missed it. You can't walk in that new life if you don't have that new rest. And I know in my life, sometimes I miss that because I'm like, oh, yeah, new rest, new rest. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, okay, what's the new life? What, what's the new requirements? What do I got to do? What do I got to be? Give me a list of do's and don'ts. I can check it off and try and feel better about myself when I do those things. And then I can, I can feel bad and guilty when I don't do those things. Jesus is like, no, no, you, you're a new creation. Old things have gone. Behold, all things are new. And, and people are, be like, what? No, I don't get it. I, I just, oh, what do you mean? What, what does that look like? What? Jesus is just saying, I, I need your heart. I need your heart. I need to come inside. Because that's, that's where God is looking. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because faith requires us to take this moment 
where we just rest in who God has made us, not who we've made ourselves. The tricky thing about rest is when I think about rest, I just think about a vacation. Uh, For me, rest is bedtime. For me, rest is when the kids are finally in bed and I can go to the pantry and pull out all the junk food that I've been waiting to eat all day. Rest is watching a good movie, reading a good book. Rest. And so I keep reading all this stuff about rest, and so I'm like, maybe I just need to have another vacation. That's all right. I can talk to my wife about that. I can bring that up with my boss. I need more rest. Uh, No, but to, to understand this rest, you have to understand unrest. And unrest is that chaos in your mind. Unrest is that, is that government when there's political turmoil. There's unrest over the entire nation. When all of a sudden people aren't sure who's in power and who will be in power. And, and is it safe to go to certain places and what can we do and, and what will we do. And things are all over the place. Unrest is when you're in your workplace and maybe you've been in one of those companies or organizations or a business where there's unrest and you're not, there's uncertainty about, am I going to have a job next week? Am I going to have a job tomorrow? And Are my hours going to be cut? And I need a certain amount of hours to to pay my bills and how am I going to be able to make this work? And that's unrest. And you're not sure the focus of the company and the the boss is maybe always, you're not sure if they're going to be happy that day or angry that day. You're just trying to fly and under the radar. That's unrest. But rest, rest is that, that sigh of relief. There's a new kingdom. There's a new reign. There's new management. And now we know what we're called to do. And now we know that we're secure. And now we know what's going to take place. Now we believe. Rest. Rest is is Jesus sleeping in the boat during the storm. We say we, we would like to think rest is Jesus calming the storm. No, rest is Jesus sleeping during the storm. Rest is Jesus walking and holding his cross, carrying it, and doing so willingly. Rest is Moses having the confidence of who God has called him to be and what he's been been purposed and commissioned to do. And he walks in that confidence, not because he's a self-made man, not because all of a sudden he learned the 21 principles of highly effective shepherding. And so now he knows how to rule uh, and reign over Israel. No, he walks in because he said, I've been given a new identity and a new mission, a new purpose, a new authority in my Savior and in my God. And so I can walk out a confidence that I would never have had. May I rest today is a teenager recognizing who they are in Christ. I'm a new creation. 
ah, I'm royalty. I'm a royal priesthood. And so, no, I, I don't need the guys telling me this. I don't need the girls telling me this. I don't need that relationship. I don't need to do those things. I don't need to post those pictures because God has called me to something higher, to something worth more. It's a man or woman of God saying, yeah, I'm going to walk out with integrity. I'm going to walk out with strength. I'm going to walk out with a newness of life. I have a new hope. I have a new mission. I'm not, I'm not confused about who I am as a child of God. I'm the head, not the tail. I know because I'm following the author and finisher of life, and he has given me a new strength and a new purpose and a new mission, and I'm securing my identity. I'm not wondering about who I am. I, I'm not figuring out things. I'm not confused. I don't need to go find myself somewhere because I found myself in Christ and I've taken on the identity that he's given me. I'm not, I'm not who I was. I'm a new creation. And so I walk boldly in that. That's a new rest. That's a new freedom. And then you take on the new living. But man, you try and walk in that new life without that new rest, that's exhausting.